1: To Will Griffiths for that spirited introduction. And to you, dear listeners, for tuning in to Movie Addict Headquarters. Of course, you don't have to be a movie addict to visit here. But if you are one, it's definitely the place for you, especially today, because Atlanta-born and award-winning filmmaker Ken Feinberg is here to give us a sneak peek at Santa's Boot Camp a family holiday motion picture opening in November. Now, I understand, folks, that Ken once made a very, very nice living in Los Angeles playing some big, bad-looking meanies on shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Charmed. But you know what? He just became disappointed about running into a wall of, shall we call it, typecasting So that prompted him to move back to Atlanta and start the Creative Studios of Atlanta Film Academy for Actors. And happily, Santa's Boot Camp provided the students with an opportunity to work in a real film. We'll bring Ken on right after we welcome back Nikki Starr, our producer extraordinaire. Hi, Nikki. I'm so glad you've joined the Movie Addict Headquarters gang again. Hi, Betty Joe. I'm so glad to be here. It seems like I've been gone forever, but stepping right back in just feels like home. Well, it is home, and, and it, it feels so much more like home with you here. We really wouldn't have a Movie Addict Headquarters without you, Nikki, and I missed you so very, very much. And Now, uh, Nikki, is the chat room open and ready for listeners to sign in? It is, and all you have to do is is just log into your account if you want to type or you can log in or you can just come in and see us typing if you don't log in. <laughs> Excellent and uh, thanks Nikki and thanks to the people who sign up for the chat. We really appreciate them as well as our other listeners. And now you're in for a treat folks. We're gonna bring on Ken Feinberg. Ken, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters.
2: Thank you. I'm I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me on.
1: Well, it's great to have you with us. And before we start out, I wanted to congratulate you for uh, your award. Uh, it was—it it sounds like it's a, quite a prestigious award. Direct—it's a Gold Star, Gold. No, it's Director's Gold Award at the International Family Film Festival, and that—that that must have made you very, very happy, right? It,
2: well, the truth is, I was actually surprised because uh, I was at the International Family Film Festival. So I've had some short films there previously, but I was there with that film last last a uh, few months back, and uh, was not expecting to be honored at all because typically, you know, I've been to these awards before. They always go to these very dramatic films, you know, you know, with, with some mm-hmm. sort of, you know, some sort of message about I don't whatever it is. But when they said. Ken Feinberg director's boot camp. I I literally was like, "You got to be kidding me!" And um, (laughs) you know, there was you know, I came up and I actually got kind of teary-eyed and and um, and during my speech, and uh, someone was there that videotaped my speech. It's actually a DVD extra on the DVD when you buy it if you want to watch that of what I said because our film almost didn't get made many times. It it was it was done in different stages and the film could have withered and died multiple times that, but I wouldn't, I wasn't going to let it die. And I kept, kept out there trying to find the funds and find the people. And, you know, it's really, really been a lifelong journey. And, you know, my wife kind of said it was kind of like a wonderful life where everybody kind of showed up at the last minute to help us get across the finishing line. And, you know, my parents were, were, big supporters of the film. And just to be honored in that moment was, was just overwhelming. And, uh, to to say the least and it was quite an honor and then just a couple weeks ago we were honored as best known by the san diego international kids film festival which was quite a quite an honor as well
1: well san diego that's my old stomping grounds i'm i'm proud of san diego then for for giving you that for giving you that award and i i like the the what you mentioned about it's a wonderful life because I read that you you kind of think of this uh, Santa's boot camp as sort of a, a Willy Wonka meets uh, It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> and that's what, you can't go wrong with with those yeah, two. Yeah, that's true. I know. Yeah, I know it's a little early for a Christmas show, and uh, but I, I was so eager to hear about your movie that I couldn't wait any longer to have you on the show. But first, I, I was wondering about. Um, what you were up to prior to your writing and directing Santa's Boot Camp. Now, I mentioned that you were in L.A., uh, in Hollywood, and uh, you had some wonderful acting jobs. Uh, what what were you involved in there uh, besides Buffy and uh, Charmed, and what kind of roles were you playing on TV in?
2: Well, I... Uh, well when I was young, my dream was to always be an actor in Hollywood. And, and I'm sure that other people have that same dream. And, and I got a degree in filmmaking. Then I went to New York City first and did some, some training up there. And then went out to L.A. did some training. I was in theater for many years. I acted in, you know, classically trained actor. I did Shakespeare. I did Frankenstein mm. of Mice and Men. You know, all kinds of, you know, I was in three different repertory theaters in L.A. for a number of years. And then when I started booking, you know, I played an alien captain on Star Trek which was which was, oh. was fun, and, and I played uh, this really memorable character called the Chaos Demon on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. When I still go to conventions and stuff, um, you know, people know my character, they know me, and it's really kind of surprising how popular that show really, really is.
0: Yeah, and then well, I played yeah, various,
2: I-, I played a couple of cops, you know, I played a couple of prison guards, I played convicts, you know, uh, I had an audition one time for a thing called Band of Brothers, you may have heard of. You know, and when oh. I walked in the door, walked in the door to audition, the first thing they say, the first thing they say is, "Oh, you're too tall to audition." I go, "What? They didn't have any tall people <laughs> in World War II?" Because "No, no one over six feet tall can audition for this show." I'm like, "Oh, okay, thanks." You know, what what am I gonna say? You know, so I don't know if that's that's heightism. I don't know. You know, a lot of the stars are short. You know, I'm never gonna act in a movie with Tom Cruise just because he's so little.
0: I was gonna mention Tom to Cruise.
2: <laughs> Yeah, you know, so, you know, there are some actors that are tall, you know, Clint Eastwood is tall, and John Wayne was tall, of course, and, you know, I think Tim Robbins is kind of tall, there, there's, a, there's a few actors, Nick Nolte is same height, so, but they're few and far between, and so, I think, you know, I was on the show called Charmed, I played a demon, and, you know, the cast director said to me one time, you know why we cast you in that role? I said, why did you cast her in that role? She goes, well, because everybody else had evil eyes, and you had mischievous eyes, and we just liked how that worked. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. Okay, because they had called me back a couple seasons later, and that's when they told me that. They called me in for a different role. They called me in for the Demon Guard, and uh, I had just been named one of the 50 Most Beautiful Atlantans by Jezebel Magazine, and uh, <laughs> they had this audition for a role called... Um, sexy demon um, who had a kissing scene with oh. Alyssa Milano. And oh, wow. I said to, and I, you know, I was working out with a trainer five days a week. I was probably in the best shape of my life. I was really, really you know, ripped up and stuff. And I said to the cast director, do you think maybe I could, you know, give a shot at this sexy demon role? She goes, no, no, no. You're the demon guard. I said, but I think I can really bring something interesting and different to this role. And she looked at me and she goes, you are the demon guard. I'm like, okay, I am the demon guard. And so, you know, that set off a series of little awarenesses in me that, that said, okay, I see that, you know, I have, I am working, I'm making money, I'm getting residual checks, but the kinds of roles I'm getting are just kind of repeat performance and and i know a lot of actors that's how they make their living they get known for something you know eric roberts is in our film and he's known for being sort of that psychotic guy um, I mean, like in the batman series but you know i think one of the reasons why he did our movie was it gave him an opportunity to be creative and do something different and work with kids something he doesn't normally get offered to do and so i think that sort of when we offered that to him, I think he jumped at the opportunity to do that because he's he's a big supporter of kids' foundations and things like that, but nobody really talks to, about him in that way because they all see him as that that guy and, and and once you get known for something, Hollywood likes to put you in that box and keep you there. Some of the actors can break out of that. You know, Renee Zellweger, mm-hmm. for instance, you know she you know I, I talk about Renee Zellweger because I just think she's a fabulous actor. Um, and she kind of broke that mold of being the sweet girl, kind of like Glenn Close did when she did Fatal Attraction. She she was always that sweet lady, and then she fought tooth and nail to do Fatal Attraction. They didn't want her to do it, but she she was fabulous as an actor. And And so I kind of saw handwriting on the wall that my career was only going to advance so far as this big brute, and, like, what's going to happen once I get older and, and, and don't have the muscle tone that, that I have right now. And, you know, just kind of a, kind of a long-term thing. And it wasn't kind wasn't really satisfying to, to come in and play a prison guard and choke somebody, you know, every day, you know, it's like, it got kind of old after a while. And, and, you know, Hollywood is getting a little more violent and a little more profane and, mm-hmm. and, and a little more trying to invoke fear into everybody. And, 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 and I was like, one of the causes of invoking that fear. And I was like, I was just like, it just oh. didn't taste right. Being a creative person. I said, I, I want to do something that's going to be creatively satisfying to my soul. And so I, I didn't know, I didn't know where I was going, what I was going to do, but I just knew that there was another path somewhere. Oh, and, and this is a great story. I had a big manager in LA came up to me and he had, he had some stars and he said to me, he said, Ken, I want to represent you and I want to make yeah. you, Hollywood's next bad boy. And I just said, what if I don't want to be Hollywood's next bad boy? You know, what if I don't want to punch some girl in the mouth and make press or, you know, have a car wreck or or get into the drugs or whatever it was, you know, what if I don't want to be Hollywood's next bad boy? And so that kind of was another little awareness. Like, that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. I mean, maybe I could sell my soul. And, and be a Hollywood star, you know, be a bad boy. I mean, who, you know, I don't know off the top of my head who who the current bad boys are in Hollywood. But I just, I didn't want to get tattoos and I didn't want to, uh, you know, beat up at people or whatever it was. I just, just didn't sound fun to me. It didn't sound creative. It didn't sound creative to me. So. Well, good for so you. Finally, good for you.
1: Then you finally, made that decision.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It took about six months of that little voice pinging me. And I finally said, okay, I don't know what it's going to happen, but here I go. And I came you back, back home, home and I went back home where everything started because, you know, my mm-hmm. journey, you know, I kind of was like, there was a point when I was young, I was like, "Well, how do?" I was seeking answers to questions like, how do I get started, find work? How do I be professional? And nobody in Atlanta could answer those questions for me. Nobody could tell me. I went to Orlando, went to New York. Really, nobody could tell me how to be a star, how to be an actor, how to do the work. Over mm-hmm. time, I learned that from various classes and all my experiences auditioning or, or having a side job, running camera as a casting assistant and auditions and things like that. And so I came back. And now when I teach, you know, I don't teach stuff I got from a book or from a class, per se. I teach what I've learned from my experiences is being an actor or being a casting director or being a, a director or producer, because that's where, the, that's where it is. You know, I went to, I started graduate school years ago. I did a semester of graduate school in acting. It's like, I know more about the acting business than the teachers teaching this stuff. I'm like, you gotta be kidding mm-hmm. me. How, how are they going to tell, tell me how to get a job? I mean, I've already been out in the job field working. I know what, what, you know, some of what to do. So it's been sort of a, a, an adventure, a seeker, and maybe I'm going on too long, but this is, it was kind of a search to, to satisfy some of those answers.
1: Well, and that's why you, uh, create, uh, you started the Creative Studios of Atlanta Film Academy, because then you could yes. pass on to others the things that you uh, knew about the craft and the business.
2: Yes, and, and and many of the students that have studied with me have become working actors. Uh, I kind of smile sometimes. I'll see some of those people that have studied with me start teaching acting classes. I'm like, okay, great. Cool. You know, they're taking what they've got from me and they're adding their own thing to it, hopefully, and, and you know, they're teaching stuff. And some of, them, some, some of them have gone on to become stars and some of them become working actors and some of them have gone on into music and some of them are, are doing other things. Um, wow. But that's okay i mean i have a student right now whose older brother and older sister went through my program and the mom came in and 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 said you know we want her to take the program i mean our kids aren't acting anymore but what they got from your program was that they were okay with being who they are and 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 doing what they want to do at 100 and having their own voice and different things like that and that's that's satisfying that's more satisfying than than going in and choking somebody with a billy club this week.
1: Well, good, good for you. Uh, and then, how did Santa's boot camp come about?
2: I'm glad you asked that question because <laughs> I
1: am when, I started, when I started
2: when I started training actors, I said, I said, you know, being in a classroom is one thing, but being on a set is something else. So I said, as part of the training, we're going to produce an original film, so you get experience being on set, and I can sort of coach you, this is what you do when you get to the set, this is how you prepare, this is how you execute, that kind of thing, make it an experiential kind of class. And Mm -hmm. so the first year we made a film that included all the students, and that movie came out to a little under an hour. And then the next movie we did another one, and that movie came out about 40 minutes, and that one actually screened over at the Cannes Film Festival in France, which is really cool.
0: Oh my and then my
2: editor, my editor said to me, my producing partner Craig and my editor for Santa's Boot Camp said to me, you know, Ken, with all the shorts and commercials and all the stuff that we filmed this past year, all that work, we could have made a feature film. So, well, let's see if we yeah. can make a feature film this year that would be more appealing to to people outside. That would be appealing to people outside of our film academy. And so mm-hmm. so I got together with a handful of writer friends of mine one day at the studio, and we're trying to say, well, what could we do that would be interesting to people? And I came in with this idea that I thought was kind of funny, where it's the story of Santa Claus gets audited by the IRS.
0: <laughs>
2: and I thought, yeah, that's kind of funny, but let's make it a little more kids-friendly, since it's a Kids and Teens Film Acting Academy. I liked it. We like the Santa Claus idea because that's a universal character. People understand who that is. What would cause Santa Claus to stress out? I said, well, if Santa's elves went on strike, that would certainly cause him to stress out a little bit. I said, okay, well, why would Santa's elves go on strike? I said, well, if kids today are so bratty and self-centered and entitled that the elves don't want to make toys for them anymore, then – that would cause Santa's elves to go on strike. And that was the seedling that started the whole Santa's boot camp thing. Because we live in a world where we're, where a lot of, not everybody, but a lot of the kids have this sense of entitlement or they just, mm-hmm. they're, they're bratty or they're self-centered. And, and so we, that's kind of where we went. So um, we have the, we had these uh, teenagers that have been studying with me for uh, two years. And so I said, well, let's, write a role for them and they're all very different and they become sort of like the breakfast club part of the film where, you know, a lot of teenagers aren't very nice or they're, they're bullying or they're not thinking about others. They're just thinking about themselves. And so that's how the whole thing sort of came came about. And one of my favorite parts about the whole movie is, um, You know, the the elves go on strike, and Santa brings in the six teenagers, and they don't want to cooperate. They want to escape. They want to do their own thing. They try to steal Santa's sleigh, and Santa gets upset, and he sends them to go watch these naughty, nice videos where they watch other kids interacting with other kids, and they have to vote whether they're naughty or nice. And everything's all fun and games for them until they see videos of themselves doing something not nice Uh to somebody else, how they're behaving, and they all have to vote themselves naughty and they start thinking about their behavior and how it affects other people.
1: Very clever, very, very clever. I'm getting more and more excited about seeing it. You, you worked with so many people, so many youngsters in that film. What, what, were your, uh, what was your biggest challenge in making the, the film?
2: Uh, my biggest challenge was how to divide up the small amount of money we had to make it uh the oh, actors yes. were all the actors were great because i had trained them all and so i don't want to sound egotistical but i was had an expectation that they would come to the, st- the set prepared and ready to work and you know we were we, we had so much to shoot and so little time because our budget was small uh we were almost like shooting two days in one day so we had to be extremely organized because kids can only work so many hours on the set. And so we had to plan everything out to a T before we started. But I remember distinctly we were shooting one day in Santa's factory, you know, the, the workplace where they make all the toys. We had one day to shoot there. And we had like six or seven scenes to shoot in there. And we were getting a little behind schedule. And then we have this scene between Diva, who's the leader of the Striking Elves, and Twinkle, who's one of Santa's loyal elves and Twinkle, the actress that played Twinkle went on to be in two of the hunger games movies. And so we got this scene Ooh. where, where, where Diva comes back and they have this little tete a tete, you know, you know, why'd you leave? And whatever, you know, whatever it was. And we put the camera on them and said action. And they were about eight years old, nine years old, two girls. And they nailed it in the first take. I was like, oh my. wow. Okay. I was like, all right, we got this. Let's do one for safety. We'll get a couple of close ups. And we, we knocked that scene out in like 10 or 15 minutes. And that that saved our day because they were so well prepared.
1: That's great. That's great. You were really, really happy about that. And so, yeah. And because, you did get it. Go ahead.
2: Go ahead. No, you go ahead.
1: Well, I was just. Uh, excited to get to the to the part where you found uh, Eric Roberts and what uh, what made you think about Eric Roberts and how did you uh, persuade him I I know you said he wanted to do something different but give us some more specifics on that because I have some ideas about some roles for Eric Roberts too so so give me some okay. help on that
2: well i, I i'll tell you uh, when we first started filming we only, we, we, unfortunately we ran out of money. And so we, we, oh. we shot about 20 minutes of the film and we shopped it around to see if we could get, you know, some more money or just distribution or whatever. And we got the sales agency that said they wanted, they love the film. They wanted to distribute it. Um, and they said you need to get a star name actor in there to make a, a cameo. So at least you have a name in the film and they sent us a list of about 30, 35 names of actors who would be an acceptable cameo for a feature film. And, and, and one of my friends from L.A., I have, I have a lot of friends in L.A. still, one of them was a casting director, and I called her up and said, would you help us get one of these names? She said, Who's, who do you want? And on the list, there was Danny DeVito, John Levitz, and Eric Roberts. Those are the three names we picked off the list. And she uh-huh. contacted she contacted Danny DeVito and said, no, he's busy filming his series. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. He's not available. John Lovett said, well, I'll do it, but you have to pay this amount of money. I'm like, well, we don't have mm. that much money. to." We, it's a, and he wouldn't negotiate. He wouldn't come down off that number at all. And then she also called Eric Roberts. And since we're filming over the Christmas holidays, because that's when the kids are out of school, he had an opening in his schedule, and he said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And, um, you know, when he was on set, um, you know I'd never met him before he came on set and he had an idea what his character should be and I had an idea what his character should be and we both really weren't in agreement on that but after like a 15 minute conversation in his trailer we just, we agreed upon a certain way that his character should be and his character is fabulous he's really really funny uh, he, he bookends the film he's in the opening of the film at the mall and he's also getting it in the credits because some of the stuff he did was just so incredible we couldn't you know, we had to cut a lot of it out, unfortunately. The first, first cut was like 15 minutes of Eric Roberts just being hilarious. Because the movie's not about Eric Roberts and the Maltana, so we just really had to kind of had to tighten that up. And it was great because all the kids in the in the film academy got to sit on his knee and, and talk to him and, and do a scene with him. Um, so he said that, you know, he did our film. Well, he said his wife made him do his film because he thinks he, she wants him to give back to you know independent productions and things like that because you know he that's how he got his way in when i met his wife this past summer because we were screening in a film festival in la and he was nominated for best supporting actor his wife said we jumped at the opportunity to work with kids because he just he loves kids and he never gets a chance to work with kids and we love the idea of your story and as soon as that came in it, it didn't matter what the money was we wanted we wanted to do that and uh and we thought that was great, we thought that was fabulous yeah. you know and he was he was he was great to work with uh he was he was funny he 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 was professional and he was great with all the kids and so you know when you get a chance to to see his work, you know you'll be able to see that his he's really involved in in his character and everything he's doing with the kids and i just couldn't be couldn't be happier with with the work
1: well he, i bet that the the kids really enjoyed working with him.
2: He he was gracious, you know, when we were we had moments between takes, he would walk around and he would talk to people, he would pose for pictures with people and he would joke and and you know, one of the funniest things he did was, um, we're doing some close ups on him and he would turn to the boom operator, the guy holding the microphone. And he would turn to him and he'd go, Are you gonna be standing there when we shoot this? And the first time he did it, the boom operator was like, um, I uh, didn't know what to say. He's like, well, I kind of have to be here. I like, could get your sound and But it is like, like the next take, right before we start. Roll camera. Turns to boom boomer. Are you gonna be standing there when we shoot this? Because <laughs> you think like he's like in his eyeline or something? But he was just, he was just, he was just so happy. He was joking around. He was, he was, he was being professional too. But he was just, just full of energy and full of life and and full of personality. And I think he, I think he really truly enjoyed. Working with us on that set.
1: Well, it sounds like he did have a, have a great time, and in fact, it sounds like all of you did working working on the movie. Do you have a favorite well, scene in the movie?
2: Well, um, I have a lot of favorite scenes in the movie. Um, that's a good question. I think that you know, in there's a scene between. Um, Cedric and Twinkle, um, after they watched the naughty nice videos, Cedric, everybody votes him naughty, but he thinks what he did was correct. And he voted himself nice So everybody. He was, he gets really upset and he's like, I'll show everybody how to escape. And he kidnaps one of the elves and he has the magic, 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 magical powder that makes things happen but he doesn't know how to use it. And he, he wakes her up and says, you're coming with me. And they have, and she's like, I'm just an elf. I don't know how to, I don't, I just have to make toys. You have to tell me how to get home. I go, I don't know how to get home. He says, well, you come in to make toys and then you go home or wherever you people live. And she looks at her and goes, who are you calling people? <laughs> she's not a person. And so this little scene, this, this little scene with, um, with Cedric and Twinkle where he's trying to kidnap her to, so she can go home and she's like waking up out of a, 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 her night of sleep. There's also um, Twinkle a little bit earlier when they go to watch the Naughty Nice videos. Uh, our composer, Stephen Lettness, made some horror kind of music because they're, they're about to watch these Naughty Nice videos and she kind of gets in their face, the teenagers' faces and kind of going, you think this would be fun? But pay attention. Because after the 100th kid, they'll all start to run together. And she's, like, really, really intimidating. Them this little 8-year-old girls intimidating these teenagers in this scene. And it's just, you, you can't help but smile. Because uh, the acting is just so good. And, and the response is so good. And the music that our composer put in there just just made it even more fun to watch. You
1: composed, you composed the, move, the music to the movie?
2: I didn't, but Stephen Lettness... Uh, he's actually oh, okay. uh, legally legally blind. Uh, composed uh-huh. all the music, and he wow. did a fabulous job. Fabulous job. He was nominated for uh, best composer at one of the film festivals we we're in this summer. And when you when you listen to the music, it's just it's just it's heartwarming music. And he uses the full orchestra. I mean, he, I mean he he. He, you know, there's there's one part where you you know there's one part where you got, you know you've got orchestrated music and then there's another part where you've got this horror thriller kind of music, you know he's he's got a variety of styles in there but they all work and he's got the magical music in there and it's just just really nice um, you know to listen to that music and you know I didn't care that he was blind I mean the fact is no. uh, his his hearing is incredible I mean he would hear things. Uh, in the movie um, And he would tell us different things About things that he was hearing And of course he would hear a lot of the music And even the, the opening theme music He said he was sleeping uh, as Reminds me of Mozart Because Mozart used to say he used to have these intense dreams About music And Steve so said he woke mm-hmm. up this morning and he composed his music And he sent it to me and it was this orchestrated music and, and I thought this is really great I sent it to our editor And the editor says well I just cut the opening title sequence and he put the music in there and it like fit perfectly it's like this is amazing how the editors in Atlanta Georgia editing the opening title sequence and Steve's in Minneapolis Minnesota and he sends down this music just hey I wrote this music what do you think I think that was the first thing he composed on the movie and we put it in there and you put it to, it's like it's like Reese's peanut butter cup you put it together it's like it's like it just just was great just beautiful
1: oh my gosh that, that's so important, uh, the music, the background music for movies, and especially uh, Christmas movies. And, and also, with a movie like this, uh, the cinematography and the costumes and sets would be very important. Did, did you, as the director, supervise all of that?
2: Yes. Uh, we shot on uh, what's called a RED camera, which is 4K which is four times the size of high def, so it looks really beautiful. We we have a lot of colors in the in the wardrobe. Um, all the elves look like little packages. Um, our <laughs> costume designer um, did a fabulous job, and then and then we got these, these these elf hairstyles that you're gonna have to look for because every elf hairstyle is different. Um, what did he call them? Oh, um, on on the behind the scenes video, I think the hairdresser said. This is a fraggle. it's like Fraggles meet midsummer's night dream, or something like that. so you have to a lot of glitter, a lot of hairspray, a lot of hell it was like no what do you call it the, the who whoville 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 meets midsummer's night dream? I think that's how he, I think that's how he described it, so oh, yeah, all well, that sort of stuff adds up yeah, the whole look of it is important. You know, and and Absolutely.
0: we finished
1: the Well, so, yeah, we, I saw we a little bit and... of it. There's was a preview, uh, Ken. I think on on YouTube, a, a preview uh, that I looked there looked is. at, and I really liked liked the the visuals and and you know how the move, uh, how the how the trailer made the made the movie look uh, so inviting, and I. Uh, my compliments. Uh, I, I just can hardly wait to wait to see it. When will our listeners be able to see Santa's uh, boot camp?
2: Well, it gets released November the 15th through Sony, and I got a Google alert yesterday. You can pre-order the DVD today if you want to get it. Oh, you great. Can it for, you can get it on Amazon and Walmart online with a $5 discount right now. If you pre-order it, you can get $5 off Amazon and both Walmart. It may be on some other websites now, but I, I know I got that Google alert yesterday that said Santa's Blue camp is now available for pre-order. I got all excited. And so I know a lot of people oh, already yeah. got online and, and bought it. So you, you, it'll be released November the 15th. Uh, it makes a great stocking stuffer. Um, you know, you can go ahead and get them now and, and they'll be delivered to your door in November and just in time for the Christmas season. And um, and if if it's one of the things I really like about this movie, is that a lot of movies you see, you go see the movie when it's over, like okay that was, that was that, and let's go on and do something else. But this movie, especially with some of the kids that have seen it, and even some of the adults that have seen it, when it's over, you can sort of talk about it. Well, what did you think of the movie? What did you like about the movie? You know, because there's certain behaviors, you know, younger kids talk about the teenagers and and you know and uh, what what they do and how they behave, and so. My six-year-old said to me one day, "She goes, Dad, I know what your movie's about." I go, "You do? What's my, what's, what's my movie about?" And she says, "It teaches kids to be nicer to each other." I'm like,
1: "Okay, oh, I'll take that out of the mouth, out of the mouths of of uh, babes." Well, Ken, we're going to take just a little break now and listen to a brief message from a loyal listener, and then. When we return, I'll ask you a, a few more uh, questions before we wrap things up. But, uh, but here's just a, a, a very brief message that you're, I think you'll enjoy.
0: Hi, comedian Nancy Lombardo here, host of Comedy Concepts, Blog Talk Radio.
1: And when I need my movie fix, you'll know where I'll be found. That's right, every Tuesday at 4 p.m., listening to Betty Joe Tucker on Movie Attic Headquarters Blog Talk Radio.
0: Show me the funny,
1: Betty! Show me
0: the funny!
1: <laughs> Thanks, Nancy, for that fun promo. And by the way, Nancy uh, Lombardo is in the chat room. And uh, she is definitely a loyal listener. And uh, Ken, Nancy has a lot of acting experience, and I'm sure that she's enjoying uh, some of the things that you're, you're talking about. Uh, but we're back live now talking with Ken Feinberg about Santa's Boot Camp. And um, Ken, here's a question that we like to ask all our guests. What's the most important thing you want our listeners to know about you and your work?
2: That's a very interesting question. Um Yay. <laughs> Yeah, that that that's one that makes me makes me think, you know. Uh, the most important thing about my about my work, you know, I think, you know, when I'm training actors, I tell them, you know, the most important thing about acting is doing your job. It's not trying to stand out, it's not trying to say, "Hey, look at me." It's about you know, contributing to your partner, contributing to the film, contributing to a great piece of work. And so, you know, I've had to apply that to me, you know, if I'm directing, I want to do my job. I want to stay focused. I want to be planned out. If I'm teaching, I want to be prepared to teach. I want to make sure that uh, the kids come away learning something and um, even adults, I train adults sometimes too. I'll make sure that they're learning something and they're improving because that's the whole point of it, you know, and, and if anybody is an actor that's listening, you know, don't give your money to just any acting teacher, any acting studio, go and check it out first. See who these teachers are, see what they do, see how they, how they talk to you, how they, if you can learn from them, because I've had classes from great teachers, I've had classes from awful teachers. Anyone that says you have to pay up front before you get to see a class, don't don't do it. You know, even in my year-long class, people are welcome to come and sit on the class for free because I'm a big believer in the student finds the teacher, and if I'm not the teacher for you, I hope you find the teacher that's right for you, but if I am the teacher for you, get in here and learn as much as you can.
1: Well, that's very, very good advice, and is there anything else you'd like to add uh, about Santa's Boot Camp or any other projects that you're working on?
2: Um, Santa, like I said, Santa's Boot Camp, available November 15th. Uh, you, can, you can buy the DVD at your local Walmart or, or Target or Best Buy or online at Amazon, uh, streaming. Uh, last time I spoke with the distributor, they're still working on television, Redbox, and Netflix. So if you feel inclined to send a postcard to Sony Pictures Home Entertainment and say, you should get this movie on TV, I would be, I'd be okay with that.
1: <laughs> I definitely and, uh, would be okay with that
2: <laughs> Absolutely That's great, That's if, great. If, if you're inclined I, to if you're inclined to send a postcard to Netflix or Redbox I'm all for that too
1: I hope that uh, that our listeners are paying attention to you And will do that And will also order the, the DVD for Santa's boot camp And uh, I'm just so happy that you had the time uh, to come and be on Movie Addict Headquarters because you've been so inspirational and uh, enlightening and entertaining. And I just wish you the very, very best of luck with Santa's Boot Camp. And I, I for one, can hardly wait to, to see it. But, But sorry to say, our time is almost up. So here's a big shout-out to Ken Feinberg for being such a terrific guest today and to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support, as well as to uh, our chatters and other listeners. And special thanks to Nikki Starr, yay, for returning to Movie Addict Headquarters, and to Nancy Lombardo, George Bettinger, and Angela Drake Perry for their enthusiastic support. You know, folks, they always mention Movie Addict Headquarters on their wonderful radio shows. Nancy is the hilarious host of Comedy Concepts right here on Blog Talk Radio every Monday and Friday morning at 10.30 Eastern Time. And George, uh, call him Mr. Showbiz, he hosts the very entertaining Mom and Pop Shop show on TuneIn Radio from Miramar, Florida, every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And Angela is the vice president of the Wacko Network, and the popular host of Wacko in the Morning, which now airs on Mixler. That's M-I-X-L-R. It is time to wrap things up, folks, but please come back next time for another spirited discussion about movies, and in the meantime, don't you forget to check out our film reviews at RealtalkReviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, RealtalkReviews.com. Also, if you haven't ordered my new book, Mostanzas rhyming about movies. You can purchase this Kindle ebook for only three dollars and ninety-nine cents on Amazon.com. I want to thank many of you who have purchased this book and commented on it. I really appreciate it. Well, that's all for now, folks. Let's call on Elvis Presley to take us out with a song that we dedicate to Ken Feinberg. And Santa's boot Camp. Okay, Elvis, you're on.
0: Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa right Claus, down Santa Claus Lane. Like so glistening, I'll lay the reindeer pulling on the rain. Bells are and children's ear Hang your stockings and then say your prayers Cause Santa Claus comes tonight Here oh, come Santa Claus Come Santa Claus right down Santa Claus Lane He's got a bag that's filled with toys For boys and girls again Hear the sleigh bells jingle jangle, What a beautiful sight Jump in bed and cover up your head Cause Santa Claus comes tonight the here comes and the clouds are rolling down Santa Claus Lane. He doesn't care if you're rich or poor, he loves you oh, just the same. Santa knows that we've got children that makes everything right. Fill your hearts with Christmas cheer, 'cause Santa loves children. Oh, here comes Santa, the clouds are here comes Santa, the clouds are rolling right down Santa Claus Lane.
1: One more time, Elvis.
0: Here comes Santa Claus. here comes the Claus right down the saddle's land. Listen, listen, all the years of reindeer pulling on the rain. Bells are ringing, children see it all as mad and bright. Hang your stockings and say your prayers. Santa Claus comes tonight Here oh, comes Santa Claus Here comes Santa Claus Right down Santa Claus Lane He's got a bag that's filled with we'll toys For boys and girls again Santa Claus Hear those sleigh bells jingle jangle What a beautiful sight Jump in bed and cover up your head oh, Santa Claus comes tonight Here oh, comes Santa Claus Here comes Santa Claus arrived down Santa Claus Lane He doesn't care if you're rich or poor He loves you just the same Santa knows that we are got children That makes everything right Fill your hearts with charisma and cheer Oh, Santa Claus comes tonight the will come around right, It'll come around when the chimes ring out. It's Christmas morning again. Peace on earth will come to all we just follow the light. Let's give thanks to the Lord above, 'cause we'll Santa Lord.